welcome to another edition of the Meg podcast. Um, I'd like to welcome, as usual, Richard Jeffrey Cook and Matt Haywood to the podcast. It's your usual team. So hello, chaps. Hello, Hello, everyone. Okay, so in this podcast, we're going to we're following on from the last one because we got some uh, really positive feedback about the uh, battle refights um, podcast we did last time. So this time we thought we'd um, have a discussion about a specific battle um, and how we might go around doing a refight of it. Um, you know, so maybe putting some of our thoughts from last time into action and looking at the the actual practicalities. Um, you're safe. We're not going to run you through a whole battle or in, throw a big long video at you to to bore you. This is a discussion of how we would set it up. Um, Richard suggested that we do the Battle of Dorylaeum from the First Crusade, uh, which is between the First Crusade, obviously, and the Anatolian Turks as the Crusaders set out from uh, Nicaea. Um, after capturing that, um, on their way to cross Anatolia to get to the Holy Land. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that this this was a battle that was used at one of the early Society of Ancients battle days as well, um, which is it's, it's quite a few years ago now, I recall went extremely well, and it was a very popular um, choice of battle. So is that right, Richard? It was a, a battle day Indeed. battle, wasn't it? It was uh, fought on the Saturday, the 17th of June, 2006, as the Society of Ancients Battle Day. Um, so uh, uh, 17 years ago, pretty Good much. grief. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, I'm, so, I'm, I'm definitely feeling old. But I, I did go to that one um, and I, I do remember it, it was great. There was, there was a, lot of people, a, lot of, uh, a lot of interest in that one. So um, hopefully... The, the the battle will translate well um, as a megary fight as well. Um, I'd just like to say for you know for the, for the listeners this is this isn't um, something that we've we've got a script for that we're going to read from. Um, it you know it, this will just be a, a discussion between ourselves, a live discussion. We we've, we've got some points that we want to cover as part of this, and that are hopefully sort of relevant bullet points if you like for a a refight. Um, how, you, how you draw one up so you know it, it's a bit of let's see how it goes um, I, I am I'm trusting Richard especially will keep us on topic um, you know and, and I won't waffle away too much and go down all sorts of rabbit holes because um, I think in these sort of discussions it's very easy to do that and um, so we'll sit to the core of the battle um, and and how how as I said how we would refight it so First up, I'm going to ask Richard if he would just give us a, a, a view, an overview of how the actual battle went, um, according to the sources we have. Um, I believe we have a, a number of sources, but they can be a bit vague as sources are, um, and, and even contradictory. But I think there's a there's a consensus these days as to how the battle went. So I will hand over to Richard to do that to illuminate us all. Thank you, Nick. So um, my description of the battle is going to be largely based on a secondary source. I'm afraid I'm not an expert on the primary sources for this period, but I'm using uh, John Francis' Victory in the East, um, which uh, uh, I think was published in late 90s, possibly earlier, but um, 
around that sort of time. So there may be some more up to date information since, but uh, this is what you're going to get. So we're in the first crusade. Uh, as Nick has already said, the crusaders had already uh, besieged and captured the city of Nikea uh, in sort of northeast Turkey, I believe. Northwest Turkey, apologies, I believe. Um, and were heading out um, further south and east to head towards the Holy, Holy Land. Um, uh, they were, the um, city of Nikea actually was held at the time by the Seljuk Turks under, um, and I'm almost certainly going to pronounce this wrong, Kilish Arslan, who was the um, Sultanate of Rum, um, um, Seljuk um, ruler of this period. So this is just as the, this is before the proper Sultanate of Rum period. This is when the Beyliks were starting to declare their independence after the collapse of the great Seljuk Empire. So in Meg terms, we're looking at the army of early Turkoman Beyliks, uh, which I believe is army number 5107, if you um, follow the army lists. And the first Crusades, I think, is 5109 from memory. Um, so the Crusaders were sort of aware that they were facing a Seljuk army in the area and they decided to march ahead in two groups. Um, the first group was uh, largely consisted of Norman French and Italian Normans and they were the vanguard and they were ahead of the main force which uh, consisted of um, uh, Southern French knights, German knights, Low Countries um, uh, as well. So um, the Crusader um, vanguard arrives pretty much um, at dawn. Um, so they were marching possibly to avoid the heat of the day. I'm not quite sure. Um, and become aware that the um, Turks are ahead of them. Um, so they decide to um, uh, um, set their camp um, and we know that essentially they were in uh, a sort of valley with um, the valley continued um, say north-south and they approached from the west to just to give a rough um, view of the battlefield and they... Sorry Richard, can I interrupt? To show show my planning's already gone to to pot. Um, the, just for the listeners, um, I've I've extracted the 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 illustrations of the the battle from the book Richard mentioned, uh, Victory in the East, um, and these will be part of the supporting notes on the blog for this. So um, as Richard is talking about, you could refer to these maps as well. Um, apologies to Richard, I meant to mention that before we started, and was so keen to. <laughs> get into the description of the battle I completely forgot um, anyway so back to you Richard okay thank you Nick so um, yes so the the crusaders set their camp up um, and we know that the camp was positioned on the edge of some swampland or marsh um, and that helped at least to prevent a part of it being attacked but at this point um, 
the Crusader Vanguard is facing the um, Turkoman army. Um, the in terms of numbers of the Vanguard, um, it, it's not absolutely clear, but um, France gives the idea that the total Crusader army probably had about seven thousand knights and probably some 2,000 or so were in the vanguard, along with a significant number of foot. Uh, France gives the number of 14,000. Now, how many of that, those 14,000 were actually um, decent fighting men and how much, how many of them were sort of pilgrims or camp followers or whatever is very much um, debatable. Um, it's probably worth saying that most of the Crusader foot were probably spearmen. The, they definitely had some missile men, crossbowmen and the like. Um, but uh, it's interesting that in the accounts of the battle, the missile men don't seem to have the edge on the Turks. If anything, it seems the Turks were able to strike pretty much with immunity. So um, what we're looking at here is probably, say, two, two, two and a half thousand knights and possibly three to five thousand uh, infantry, most of whom are not effective shooters. Uh, said against that, the entire Seljuk army probably was in the region of 7,000 to 10,000 uh, maximum. So uh, at this point, the um, size of the vanguard and the size of the Seljuk army is probably equivalent. Um, the rest of the um, Crusader army is still uh, several miles away um, uh, and probably consisted of a further 5,000 knights possibly, probably a few lower than that and considerably more assorted foot as well. And in between the two forces there were probably a whole load of stragglers who set out at the time the vanguard left and couldn't keep up and were um, some way between the two forces. Um, interestingly, as we'll find out later, the it took six hours for the main force to arrive, um, which since they were reportedly only two miles away, seems quite a long gap. Um, if you've got a messenger, they've got to travel two miles to get back to the main force. The main force has to get itself organised. Um, you've then got to ride, if you're mounted, which, um, two miles to get back. You don't want to overtire your horses. Um, but um, even so, it, it's clear that um, the um, force took some time to get going. Um, when the Crusaders had deployed, this was sort of six, seven o'clock in the morning sort of time, um, 
the Turks um, seem to have been largely to the south of the Crusader army uh, in the valley, but we do know that some of the Turks were actually up to the northeast. Uh, north, I get that wrong again. Uh, yeah, no, I'm right this time, northeast. Um, so, um, so the Turks have already sort of partially surrounded the Christian army. It seems that the Turks were certainly aware that there were other Crusader forces likely to come and reinforce um, the vanguard. And it seems their plan, as far as we can figure it, was to try and strike at the vanguard and defeat the vanguard before the bulk of the remaining Crusader army could reach the battlefield. Um, the Crusader knights uh, initially decide to advance out to face the Turks, um, but um, after, um, very quickly sort of seem to have decided that um, uh, this was um, going to be a dangerous strategy, and they then fall back towards the camp. And most of the battle, until the reinforcements arrive, is the um, Crusader Knights and the Crusader Foot trying to hold off the Turks um, until the reinforcements can arrive. Um, when the reinforcements do actually get, get there, the battlefield battle turns very much against the Seljuks. Um, and the um, Crusaders uh, go on to um, basically push and um, defeat the Turks, push them away, and are subsequently able to um, continue them their march towards the Holy Land. So um, that's your fundamental um, Battle of Doriolaeum um, description. Um, Possibly at this point, it's good to go into a bit of detail about the two armies involved. Um, so starting with the Turks, uh, essentially the, the Seljuk army is entirely mounted. Um, the vast majority of the Seljuk army it consists of Turkomans. Uh, these are nomadic tribesmen. They're quite fierce fighters. Their main weapon is the bow, um, and they are very effective sort of skirmishing horse archers. Um, each of the leaders within the um, Seljuk army would have had their own guard of gulams, uh, basically um, slave soldiers. Um, who act as the sort of palace guard or the emir's guard. Um, and probably these amounted to no more than 10% of the um, Turkoman force. Um, as well as Kilik Arslan, um, the other main commander we know of is the ally uh, who was the emir of Danishmend, which was another one of these Baliks and whose name, if I can track it down, 
course, it's never on the window that you want it to be on, was <laughs> Gazi Gumustigin. And I probably horribly mullered that one as well. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was the Emir of Danish Mend. Um, so, um, yes, um, uh, um, that that's primarily the Turkmen force. Um, the Crusaders, they had quite a mix of leaders. Um, probably the most notable, although definitely not the sort of commander in chief of the Crusader army, was Bowmond of Tarento, um, uh, who is sort of famous because he eventually becomes uh, Lord of Antioch, uh, the principality. Uh, which he gets promised by the Byzantine Emperor if the Crusade is successful. Um, the more senior leaders included Robert of Flanders um, and um, in one of the main leaders of the main army was Raymond of Toulouse, Raymond IV of Toulouse, I believe. Um, but uh, amongst other notables at the battle included Stephen of Blois, who uh, I think later becomes King Stephen of England, if I'm correct on that one. So, um, yes, okay. there's a... if if it wasn't him, it was his son. <laughs> yeah, I think the time. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, um, uh, so yes, quite quite a whole load of notable lords of the. Um, Western Europe at the time are present at this battle. Um, the Crusader arm itself really falls into um, knights uh, with their accompanying sergeants who are mounted lancers in the Frankish fashion and uh, a whole load of foot, some armed with um, crossbows and other missile weapons, but not particularly uh, effective certainly in this battle um, and the vast majority probably being spearmen who are there to follow follow their lords. Uh, along with that you've got a whole host of pilgrims varying from uh, sort of very fan fanatical to um, sort of followers and uh, just genuine genuine sort of camp followers who are there uh, merchants, whatever, to make money and sell things to the Crusaders as they're marching along. So that's your two uh, forces. Um, and okay. probably at this point, good to pause and think about how you might want to refight that battle. Yeah, th thank, thank you very much for that, Richard. That's uh... Yeah, so there's, there's a plenty of things to think about in this, you know. Um, so just just thinking about the, the two armies, um, in terms of refighting this, this this very much sounds to me as we've, you know, we've got the, got the Turkish army, which is wholly on table. It's going to be all there from the start. We've got the Crusader advance guard, which you've just, just outlined for us. And then, although there's, quite a large force marching behind them you know the the, the force that's two miles away um, it's only the cavalry component that gets involved in the battle uh, 
if I'm right. <laughs> if I... I, it's certainly only the cavalry, the mounted component that we hear of from the sources. Yeah. Yeah. From, um, from this main body coming up yeah. in support. It's, it's possibly worth mentioning that we are aware that there were Byzantines accompanying the First Crusader army. Um, and uh, they'd been sent by the Emperor, um, possibly to help the Crusaders, possibly to ensure that they um, kept going. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but interestingly, none of the primary sources, I believe, actually make any mention of the Byzantines, um, but they were probably acting as scouts. Um, but probably under instructions from the Emperor not to get involved in any fighting if they could avoid it, leaving <laughs> fighting to the Crusaders. So um, probably not worth representing the Byzantines on the table. It, it, it is interesting, though, that um, the, 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 the one close to primary source that makes a big deal of the Byzantine troops being there under Tacitus, I think his name was, um, is Anna Cominia. The Emperor's <laughs> yeah. daughter, who writes the history about 50 years later of the First Crusade from the Byzantine point of view. And if you read the pa passage that she writes about the battle, it's very much that the Byzantine troops with their Frankish allies uh, <laughs> turned up. Um, but what, what is interesting about her very brief outline of the battle is she suggests that the Turks attacked precipitously because they thought the majority of the Franks were in the vanguard. And so they launched an early attack rather than waiting for the rest of them to turn up. She also makes a rather snide comment. I think it's about Tangrid, uh, Berman's nephew, making a rather impetuous charge and getting himself badly wounded and having to slink back to the army and say, oops. Um, <laughs> well, that's, yeah, just, she was... that's just being a Norman Italian at uh, yeah, pretty much. Period, basically. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's, she's not considered the, the, the most objective of sources, though, is she, Anna? Not, not at all. But what is interesting is her general description does seem to fit with the, the Frankish descriptions mm. of what initially happened. So you can't, can't you, yeah. But yeah, but yes, yeah. So I was going to say, as a, as a bit of a side, as a side, I also remember a couple. It was, it was Tancred or Bohemond. She, she, she seems, if I'm right, she seems to veer between slating them off, uh, whichever one it is, off as a as a as a crude Western barbarian, but does appear to have a bit of a crush on him. I think <laughs> and, it's Tancred and, and admires him, especially yeah. physically, as a tall blonde hunk of a man <laughs> yes that, i think that sounds it. more like bone but um it, it, it was yeah. one of them yeah so uh, i think i th yeah anyway I, I, anyway I i would also recommend uh although this is probably the not, not the most primary source you can get hold of is alfred duggan's um book on bowman uh, which is an excellent piece of fiction and includes a description of the battle, um, focusing largely on the role of Bowman, surprisingly. Okay, well, yeah, for the for the listeners, we we will put some um, some uh, recommended reading material up um, on the in the the notes as well. Obviously, this will probably start with John Francis' victory in the East, um, but some other stuff. I will make sure I put. Duggan's Bohemond book in there as well. Um, 
so but yeah just on that there's, there's absolutely shed loads of crusade stuff out there although i think it's probably fair to say that most of it tends to concentrate on post first crusade um, at least the stuff i've seen so but it's well worth having a dig around um, but we will put some notes on that so i'm just thinking folks for the for the for discussing this, I think some some obvious things to discuss. Obviously, there's the Richard's touched on the size of the army, so how we translate that into the tabletop, the the troop classifications, because it, it might not be entirely straightforward. And I would I would suggest one area that is quite important is it, the the Frankish knights have to be pretty resilient. They hung they 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 survived an attack for numerous hours. Now, whether the sources are right and it was six hours or what, it was obviously a, a heck of a long time. So so getting a balance there so that can happen is is obviously going to be important. Um, the arrival of the reinforcements that, that won the battle for the, the Crusaders, how that is dealt with. Um, I'm sure there are a variety of ways that can be dealt with. And um, I think I would, I would prob probably throw in as well how to handle the Crusader camp. Um, and I throw that one in because obviously in our, stand, you know, if you like, quote, standard equal points battles, um, the camp is represented by a single relatively small base, um, which is a bit nominal. But in this battle, um, as you'll, you'll see from the, the pictures, the the maps of the battle, you know, the, the camp is slap bang, or you know, it's almost slap bang in the middle of the table, basically, and a camp that's going to accommodate maybe ten thousand people is going to be pretty big. So maybe maybe there are different ways that could be handled that we could talk about as well. Um, if that's okay with Richard and Matt, and of course anything you want to bring to the table as well. Shall we start with the camp? I've got a few ideas. We we, we can do. I mean, uh, we don't have a strict order for this. I think as long as we cover, um, cover, I, cover I, the I, main I, points. So, Matt, go ahead. Yes. Um, Richard has any objections? I'm going to take silence as a no. He has no objections. <laughs> <laughs> it was fumbling for the unmute. <laughs> yes. Damn it. Too, too slow. Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to quote a source, uh, Gesta Francorium, which is also not the greatest of sources because he was a, a Berman fanboy and paid for it, uh, paid, paid basically to write his history in, in Berman's um, favour. Um, he makes a very specific point that when the battle started, Berman told his troops, uh, well, his, his followers, to pitch the tents. Now, okay. You've got to figure that, well, that's not the obvious thing you do at the start of a battle. Now, the, I, I, I discussed this many years ago. And the, the, there is the theory that in creating the tents, they created dead zones, basically cover, uh, belaying wires, whatever you want to call them, basically turned it into a very nasty bit of difficult going which caused problems for the cavalry when they broke into the camp because there was a lot of fighting in the camp apparently so i would suggest that the camp is actually a very big bit of rough or difficult concealing ground rather than the camp in its traditional sense 
yeah, I I would very much agree with that. In fact, in the way I've reconstructed the battle, I've treated it as an area of rough going. Um, in, uh, you can imagine, I, I can't remember who does it, but in the later Crusader battle, I know they they actually um, sow a field of tent pegs, basically, um, to... I to... think that was one in the Third Crusade for, from Richard, with Richard I yeah. of England. Um, yeah, there was, definitely. So you could imagine tents with all their ropes and uh, uh, being a sort of big obstacle for cavalry and um, it, it sort of makes sense if you you can as an inf if you've got infantry missile men or whatever that you uh, can use the camp uh, that use the tents sort of uh, as ambush zones and uh, um, generally disrupt the Turkoman cavalry so uh, yeah, I I'm I'm sort of tend to agree. I think uh, using the camp as an element of terrain is very much a way to go on this one. So so if, I, if I'm if I'm hearing both of you right, it wouldn't actually be a camp in the normal Meg sense. Um, and you know, would you have if you, if the if the Turks break in and in some way you know, there's, there's a, a central point or something at which point the normal cab tests for loss of a camp kick in or would you just not use that mechanism in this case and just reduce it to the this big area of massive hastily pitched tents and guy ropes and who knows what and people defending it and it's just a big a big area the Turks can get sucked into uh, yeah, I, I I certainly wouldn't treat it as uh, the Meg rules would normally treat a camp. Um, the 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 problem you've got as a Turk a Turkoman commander, I suppose, is that your natural instinct of your tribesmen is going to be once they get to the camp, they're more likely to um, try and find some loot and bugger off <laughs> away from the battle. Than they are actually to carry on fighting the Crusaders. Um, so, um, if, for the Crusaders, it's almost a win-win in the fact that if the Turkomans start getting into the camp, a they're in a, an area where you can actually fight them quite effectively, and b they're probably as much focused on looting as they are actually fighting you. So they're actually probably more vulnerable at that. Um, certainly compared to being out on an open plain where they can shoot their arrows off and then evade you to their heart's content almost. Yeah, certainly my understanding from reading about the battle is so some Turks did attack the camp, they broke into it, there was fighting in it, but that then you hear nothing more about it. <laughs> which which, which would... suggests that any looting they did was on a fairly minor scale and as I say I suspect anybody who was successful in looting the camp probably buggered off with whatever they could get with, <laughs> away with and took no further part in the battle um, so okay, you so. could you could start creating special rules that um, if they're in the camp they um, um, sort of get some 
sort of victory points, but also uh, can, can take no further part in the battle, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose because we are talking about trying to recreate this battle, you need an incentive for some of the Turkmen to go into it, don't you? Otherwise, you know, if I was there and go, well, if I'm not going to, I'm going to go that those troops that are starting um, essentially sort of behind and to the side of the camp looking at the the, the, the maps for this, you, you just bring them to go and shoot up the uh, shoot up the Crusader Knights. So, you know, what's the incentive to, to get the Turkmen to go in or the player to send them in? See, I, I, I wondered whether the, the, the stragglers that are supposed to be coming in behind mm -hmm. the vanguard shouldn't be classed as a mobile camp. Ooh. And the, the objective of the Crusaders is to get that into the rough going. Because my concern with the battle as it is, is there's no real incentive for the Crusaders to come out and fight. Well, to some degree, that's the point of this battle, isn't it? They, you know, for, the, for the vanguard, it's hang on. Until... But, but initially, they had to go forward. From what Richard said, they chose, they chose to go forward. Perhaps well, that was actually a foolish move. And Well, well I, the one way you could, you could create it so that there is an incentive for the um, Crusaders to initially go forward is to stop, is to slow down the approach of the Turkmen's. Because in Meg, if you, uh, if you don't advance, your opponent potentially can do double moves and get quicker around your flanks and so on. So potentially one reason for the Crusaders to initially advance is to prevent that double move. But then they've got to fall back again or else they're going to get surrounded potentially by uh, by all these um, speedy Turkmen's. So, um, so I, I, I mean, the, to me, this also raises the question of uh, sort of how big a table and what sort of <laughs> scale you're putting it on. Um, yeah. Because um, it, it the edge of the world doesn't really exist in, and in this battle to some extent. So um, I, I, my own preference here is actually to fight it as a Pacto battle, but on a sort of full size normal meg table, so six by four table, Ooh, wow. 180 centimetres by 120. So if the Crusader Knights start going off into the middle of nowhere, they're potentially easy prey for horse archers to come around their flanks and start shooting multiple shots. Um, yeah, I think whatever size you decide to fight it, and I must admit, I, I was coming at this thinking, oh, gather, we'll have a huge table, huge table, <laughs> and lots and lots of figures. But I mean, you know, there are plenty of options for doing it. But I think, I think it's, it, it's an important thing, isn't it? That this battlefield is is very large compared to the number of troops. You know, it's not as densely packed as we have in our normal equal po points games. So if you were doing it, it's a what might be maximum-ish scale, you're going to need a pretty damn big table. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's very much the case. And I, I think it also brings out, out this challenge of how do you have the knights being able to stand there and take the shooting for a, a long period of time 
Um, and the, one of the ways I've tried doing this is actually to make the units of turcomans just uh, in a pacto scale as being single elements. So while I have a mixture of skilled and experienced bow shooting, the they are shooting a single element, so they're downgraded a color automatically. Um, this is the pacto rules. Yeah. Um, and of course, the knights and sergeants are classified as superior. This is from the Meg army lists. So um, at best, a single element of experience force archers will be shooting on a black dice and a even the skilled shooters will only be shooting on a black S dice. Um, yeah, no, I think that's um, so. Um, so unless you're unlucky as the crusader, hopefully you're not going to take um, the sort of double wounds. You're at worst. You hopefully you're taking single wound, and if you've got the cards, you can then rally off the wound and the Turkmen's back to square one. It is, yeah. So, okay, just a, just a. A quick conclusion at this point, though, for, on the camp, because we, we've, we've had a, a nice little chat about that, is that, you know, I think there's the, the idea, it isn't a Meg camp, basically. You know, it's yep. it's a, you know, the suggestion it's a dirty great piece of of rough going, presumably with some fighting troops in it, because that's where the infantry end up, isn't it? So, but, but presumably not enough to form a, a really, really tough perimeter. Yes, I think that I would have the camp of a size where the Crusader foot cannot defend it all, so that the Turkomans are, are able to get round. But um, then, because it's rough going, the Turkomans have to be cautious because the Crusader foot could risk a charge and actually catch the Turkomans because the yeah. Turkomans will be slowed in the rough. Yeah, that that sort of go with your thinking, Matt. I think it feels to me it does from what you were saying at the start. Oh yeah, I, I think that would work quite well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, um, but just on this to touch on the stragglers. I mean, you you talked about maybe as a mobile camp, and I must be mm, not so sure about that myself. But do we need to represent the stragglers? <laughs> Swings and roundabouts, to be honest. OK, I'm, I'm going to push in my two pennies worth yeah, in here first because Matt was hesitating. So um, I, I think they add a bit of character to the battle, um, but I, I actually would represent them as a unit of pilgrims, um, possibly uh, fanatic pilgrims, um, so that they could be worth a tug for the Turkomans. Um, but they probably, I would probably have them starting sort of halfway between um, the edge of the world where the um, the the main army is going to come on from and halfway to the camp. Um, if they can get to the camp, they're slightly better off, not least because they're, they're the only troops in the Crusader army who are defined as loose rather than close um, as the foot. So um, if, we're, if we're saying that the number of 
shooters in the vanguard is essentially negligible so that we yeah. don't have any bows and as you pointed out if the accounts are making no reference to to defensive fire from the crusader side that makes sense not to have any shooters even though the list allows them you know because it's a refight the list can go out the window indeed and and i, I think even in the list the crossbowmen are not compulsory that's um, true. I think you're right for the first cruise. And I think I, I think that's not accidental. I think I took this battle as being evidence that the Christmas <laughs> shouldn't be compulsory. Lists based on history. Ah, uh, shocking. I know. I, I, Matt, I think we need to throw him off the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Conduct unbecoming. Yeah, it is. So, so yeah. Actually, this this. Again, I think the talk of pilgrims and there, you, I think it's a really good idea, actually, Richard, have some because it's a flavour of the battle. And if they are a, a tug, it could tempt the Turkmen to go after the Turks to go after it. I suppose this sort of leads on to something we haven't covered, which perhaps is a, is a bit of an upfront one, which is what are the victory conditions for this? I think you touched on it already. I mean, you know, the battle can end as the real, the real one did with the Turks breaking. Um, and I, th- I think if we're looking at, say, a bigger than Pacto refight, the Turks had a camp and some Crusader knights got to it. So, so you know, you know that they could have a camp <laughs> to, help, um, to help that. But you know, so, but in a way, how did it? How did, at what point do we decide the Turks have won it? To me, I, I I would actually stick with fairly standard sort of meg victory conditions in that the um, Turkmen's have to um, destroy a portion of the Crusader army. Uh, ultimately, their aim was to try and dis- well try and discourage the Crusaders sufficiently to turn home. Um, which they notably failed to do, but that that was their objective. I mean, ultimately, um, um, they, I mean, they, they the um, Seljuk had had lost the capital. Nagia was was the capital of the Beylik, um, yeah, Kilich. Um So, um, yeah. Um, Ultimately, if they could send the Crusaders packing, um, that that was their best outcome for this. Um, and, and feeding into the idea of, you know, if we had the stragglers as a unit of uh, tug of pilgrims, if you're counting the Crusader force as proper Meg rules, so anything that's off table in a flank march doesn't count, the, the, the Turks have a very big incentive to try and finish it quickly. So, so if the on-table crusaders only need to lose two tugs to lose the battle, the Turks actually want to be quite aggressive to start. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the, the 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 standard Meg rules work quite well in terms of deciding who wins. Okay, you know that 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 all sounds very reasonable to me. You know, if it if it if it works, great. You know, it's um, yeah. So you break break more than half of the tugs. Jobs are good, <laughs> um, so and that works for both sides. So, excellent. 
I feel we're making good progress here. <laughs> Got some, some 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 good points there, and that that's nice. That that's a a nice simple well-known mechanism. We don't need anything overly complicated. Um, I think just before we move on to another, uh, maybe another major point, I think we have. I think we're all at least tacitly in agreement that the Crusader army is one army, and it's not like the vanguard is an army, and then the the troops arriving from the main force is another army with separate breakpoints. Because I think you might have scenarios where that would happen, but this is all all one army. That would be the way I would play it. So. Yeah, it, to my mind, that makes sense because the the beleaguered vanguard would was, would undoubtedly be the very heartened when a few thousand extra knights turned up <laughs> to support them. So, you know, by adding to their break point at that point under the normal breaking rules would seem to to, to just work logically, really. So, so. Numbers. <laughs> Numbers I think we've touched on, haven't we? That the Yeah, the, I mean the, the um basics are that the size of the vanguard and the size of the Turkmen army in its entirety should be roughly similar. Yep. Um the um the the arrival of the main army then shifts the balance very substantially. Um, in the favour of the Crusaders, so uh, um, yeah, in the, in the sort of lists I've drawn up, uh, I actually have the uh, Turkmen army as uh, nine single elements. This is Pacto scale for anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I actually had the Crusader army as um, six tugs of ten elements um, in total. So that makes the size relatively the same. I actually had two tugs of um, uh, lords with sergeants and three tugs of foot. Uh, spearmen and one tug of pilgrims in my sort of attempt at this and then I have um, the extra main guard I've, I've got three tugs of three elements but you could possibly make that even more um, depending so and it's quite interesting in terms of points um, that mine comes out at 1652 for the Turkomans and the main Christian crusade army starts at 1734 and by the time you add the main element that gives them another 530 points um, which brings us on to the classification of generals I guess um, I was, I was, you, before this we just um, I think it's fair to say that we're we, we think that the, the the standard classifications as per the army list are sound for this battle. Um, knights protected, charging lancers, so on and so forth. The only yeah. possible one is that, I think you've already mentioned, is the, the number of skilled shooters in the Turkomans. Because uh, uh, I think the list can allow most of the Turkoman could be skilled shooters. I think it's three quarters. Um, but do, I think, do you say you've got about half? Yeah, I... I... 
um, just to run through. So I I actually split the Turkmen army into three generals, uh, one command for the Dan Danishman ally, um, two commands for the main um, Seljuk army. Uh, each one consisted of a flexible um, tug of a single element of Turkmen's uh, who uh, experienced bow, one flexible tug of Turkmen's who are skilled bow, and one tug of um, sort of gulams who are the um, nobles, I think is the way it's described in the um, Turk early Turkmen bay yeah. list. Um, and then the, the main thing on the Crusaders was I chose not to give the Crusaders melee expert. Um, okay. But they're already superior. Yeah. Um, so uh, I felt that was significant enough. Um, possibly, suppose, possibly not. You may need to play it out a bit too. Yeah, I think especially for the the vanguards. Actually, it's resisting is the important thing, isn't it? I mean, a, a, a superior charging lancer, dev charger who gets into a a Turkman is going to blow him up fairly quickly. Probably doesn't need the melee expert. He probably won't get you, that you, far. You'd hope, well, you'd hope so, um, being a crusader, because either either you catch them and you can do the damage, or you don't catch them and you're. Um, yeah. uh, but again, if you could keep them forcing them to run away rather than to skirmish, um, then their their shooting back is going to be fairly ineffectual. But we've already, yeah, I mean, obviously it plays out. We've already, you already touched on the, do the Crusaders really be wanting to charge and get too far away from the camp? But, you know, that's uh, it. A, it's an option you could try as a um, mm. Crusader. Um, and it gives the Turkmen a few things to think about. Yeah. Um, do you try and um, control your horse archers to go after the knights or do you carry on focusing on the camp? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I actually, it, just to bring it back to the commanders, because I think it's worth mentioning. I think the commander's um, very important. Uh, I had the um, uh, the uh, Turkmen's I had as competent generals, and on the Crusader side, I had two commanders with the Vanguard, one of whom was Bohemond, who was the talented, um, and the other two I left as competent. Yeah. Um, uh, from both sides, the generals at this period, and I don't see any reason to change that. Yeah. Matt, any thoughts on those those points? No, it's all pretty sensible stuff, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think the commanders are is something you do you need to think about with these sort of refights and i must admit i've been pondering this on and off since we agreed to do this one and i, I i've been sort of i think richard's actually been very clever in 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 starting from a sort of pacto point of this so i saw i've been thinking megalomania um more maximus size you know so it might be more than two units of uh of the uh crusader knights in the vanguard but whatever so you'd You'd want to scale your generals to that. And I must admit, I'd been thinking maybe the vanguard would have two talented generals um, to allow 
um, potential holding of charges um, and also buying off the wounds. Um, you know, so because that coupled with the, the superior resistance against any skilled shooting, you're hoping to only have wounds, not base losses. <laughs> so buying them off. So having enough cards with the generals, I think, to get the to allow the Crusaders to survive a long time, which is, you know, we said a couple of times is a, is a real feature of this battle um, and, and, and does need bringing out because it is it is it has vaguely reminded me actually of, of something from the that battle days has popped into my head Richard because I remember one of the refights um the 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 people who, who refought and I can't remember which rule set it was had but basically decided because under the rule set they were playing that the Norman knights couldn't hold out long enough that the sources must be utterly wrong and and it was a very short time before the before the main body knights turned up. You know, you can argue about the number of hours, but the sources do make it pretty clear it was an extremely nerve-wracking, and it was definitely multiple hours. So you know, we have to arrange our army compositions that that is a possible result. <laughs> so you know, I think with a, a bigger scale battle, I would probably go for at least two. Depending on that, just how many units and figures you've got there, two talented generals in that um, in that vanguard to do that. But I think on the scale you've gone for, no, yeah, talented and competent, why not? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things you can play about with and see what works. Yeah. Um, and of course, you could have more fact, generals. <laughs> in fact, I would encourage any any make people out there who want to give it a go. Even if you don't have the forces, it's easy enough to um, draw up some cardboard bases or whatever for the various units and have a go uh, trying trying it with Meg Pacto. Because I've got some in front of me, I'm thinking you could probably use post-it notes, quite frankly. <laughs> Certainly um, perfectly possible. Yeah, to, to push around the table. So, but yeah, I think... It, it, this was, as a, again, as a sort of a general point for refights, I think in Meg, the, the generals could be very important as how you classify them. Um, I suppose, again, you know, it's um, with the, the Turkmen, the, the Danish Mendeds were allies. And I don't see any reason why you shouldn't have the potential for hesitancy at the start of the, the game. Personally. Yeah, um, that, that's certainly an option. Um, and equally, you could have rules to um, on when the um, main army is going to arrive, um, either on a fixed particular turn or perhaps um, on the basis of the drawing cards. Um, uh, I know I've played, um, uh, it was actually Battle of Bosworth Field, where I actually had the um, French and Scots arriving on the basis of a single red card. Um, yeah, e equally, I've, I've tried mechanisms where you have to draw so many yellow cards to um, before, rather than because rather than the usual red requirements to, uh, um, or you can even I've even done it on a point system where you get one point for a green card, two for yellow, four for red, and you have to reach so many points before your force arrives. It um, is, yeah, yeah. And 
again, coming back to this specific battle, I think I would suggest that whatever you come up with, and maybe we'll just touch on the pros and cons of different ones in a moment, it's you, you almost want the, if you like, the average result will be quite, will be a few turns into the game to allow that pressure on the, again, on the vanguard knights especially, allow maybe those flanking Turkmen to be trying to get into the probe, into the camp as well. Um, you know, so I suppose one of the things is, I don't know, Richard, if you've got any any thoughts on the pros and cons of a, of setting a fixed time? I, I, that, I think there's a lot of merit in setting a fixed turn. Um, the only thing I'm always slightly nervous of, if it's uh, absolute certainty, is players can start to adjust their play because they know the force is definitely coming on turn six, for example. Um, so maybe you want a little variation. So maybe that it could be the turn five, turn six or turn seven, perhaps. Um, so, uh, but I wouldn't want a huge variation. I think if, um, uh, if they arrive too early, I think the battle's not interesting because the Crusaders should just overwhelm the Turks. Um, and if it arrives too late, I think it, it, again, it's probably less interesting because the Turks have a better chance of doing the shooting damage and, and wing out. So I think it's getting that balance right. I have to test it, play test it a few times to reach the right point. Yeah. Matt, any thoughts on this one? Uh, the only thing I was going to say is, I mean, the battle is not quite symmetrical, but you could actually use it as a uh, a surprise on which side the flank march is going to turn up. So the the, the, the Turks in advance can't, as you say, adjust quite so well to where they know it's coming. And also, if they're not aware of the precise turn that it's going to turn up, you know it's a fixed place, but you don't yeah. know when. Um, because yeah, in, in there is a reference to um, drumlins, which are low yeah. hills, and it does seem that at least part of the main army did surprise some Turkmen's by uh, actually appearing on the uh, through these drumlins. So perhaps you could uh, pull a surprise on the um, Turkmen's by having two or three random points at which the main army arrives rather than um yeah or, yeah, or maybe you could, you could you know to use the example you've already um, described about your, your pacto reconstruction i think you said there were three units coming on with the flank mark um so the reinforcements it's not flank mark really is it's uh perhaps you could say that you have an option for one of them um because it was a, it was only a, a part of the the reinforcements yeah. to at the point the the main part of those reinforcements has come on maybe at that point that you 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 draw a card for for that one unit and on a six it, <laughs> it or, appears or on the flank the, the, on the on the, the, if you have red. a player playing the reinforcements they nominate on turn three where one of their units is is going to arrive so that they have some element of planning involved 
is, you know. Yeah. Or, or, or you allow the bishop, who's the guy that went through the dumb oh, Adhemar, I think it was. Adhemar um, of Pew. The Pew, Pui. was it? Pui. Yeah. probably, yeah. French. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we mangle another language. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Well, let's go strictly. It would be, it would be presumably, it would be Norman French. <laughs> Early well, medieval practically Norman English. French. Practically English. Practically English. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to say is that you, you could allow his flank march to turn up, uh, say, 12 base widths, 12 base widths in on the Turkish rear edge. Hmm. So it comes in at an angle rather than straight from the table edge so it can actually appear closer yeah the yeah. elements of surprise being as it is but uh, yeah because that's quite hard to, yeah, sorry, to, sorry i was just gonna say the trying to get the elements of surprise into a refighting make is actually quite hard if you're trying to keep it within the normal ish um uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you 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 could you could you could throw all, all sorts of things in about this, couldn't you? You could have you could have some sort of random events, couldn't you? You know, yeah. and 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 Adam arriving from an unusual direction could be a random event, some sort of mechanism. I'm sure there's lots and lots of random event mechanisms used by war gamers around around the world. Um, um, you know, you maybe even even pop it pop a card into the into the deck use an ambush card or something and when if that gets dealt to a general he he's he, he it generates some form of random event but you you could certainly do that yeah but yeah as you say keep it within the if you like the the, the more straight up down rules yeah i have i have to say you know on, on the arrival of the 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 reinforcements i'm 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 more tempted just to go with the straight um uh, flank march rules from meg because you'd mm. need two reds for for it um on uh and i think richard's got it as a competent general you know but then again two reds on a competent general might actually take too long maybe a red and a yellow i, I don't know you know I'm just maybe just being a bit of devil's advocate because uh richard and yourself seem so yeah, getting, I think the odds, uh, odds of getting two red cards. Well, I think that that has quite a high variability. Yeah. Um, and the odds of them not coming on at all seem to me dangerously high. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd probably want something with less randomness personally. Yeah. yeah I think it's the point you made, wasn't it? You could say have turn six as a medium point, but turn five, six or seven, and have some some randomness between those three turns. As an example, yeah, just to allow for that uncertainty. Um, so yeah, because it's yeah, 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 because you you want it, yeah. I suppose certainly from my point of view, I'd want it to have reasonable close closeness to the original, but you know, you without just completely running on rails, which just and pushing the figures around till you decide to move ten. To, the, uh, the the Turks are broken, which I think could be a bit dull. So, so that. But you know, actually, I, 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 yeah. So personally, I think I would want some variation in it. Um, how you did that? I'm sure there's many, many ways to do that. Even if it's just roll a dice. <laughs> if it, on turn five, needs something to come on. Turn six, it needs something to come on. And if it hasn't come on in those two, it comes on in turn seven. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you could even start it at turn four, give them an automatic red in turn four, and then they randomly take five. Yeah. And if the and red it, turns it, up, they turn up at five, and yeah. if not, six. And again, the, the, the quality, if you're going on, if you're doing anything that's with the cards, you and, and sticking to reasonably close to normal me mechanisms, you the quality of the general you have for the arriving force affects the number of cards they get. So, Or you could just say, it's X well, number of cards for the flank mark, effectively. And when they come on, they're whatever quality of general you've assigned to them, you know. Well, I think given the amount of time it took them to turn up, relatively competent is probably the best you can going to manage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, you know. yeah. I don't think they're legendary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not looking at something equivalent of one of um, Caesar's rapid marches to <laughs> to somewhere. Although I've always had a feeling some of his rapid marches got him into more trouble than. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it is yeah. No, yes, that's 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 really interesting. One I think you could do you could do quite a few things around that and and, and, but, but, and ideas about coming on from a different direction just to break the well we know they're coming on from there yeah a slight digression of point um the more i think about it richard's solution to the skilled archery by using pacto and only putting this it is just i so like that the more i think about it the more i think it just works so well yeah, well, right. it, again, if you, if you are actually using larger units and a more maximus size, so you could you could make the units odd, funny sizes. Well, to, you could to do it. You could make them fours in maximus, yeah. and uh, it, that would still have similar sort of effects. Yeah, uh, the the problem you have with maximus is that the uh, odds of getting double wounds sort of get boosted yeah. more because you you're rolling more dice so uh, um yes. it's it's not quite as effective the main reason i went for pacto was because i just wanted a a big area um because it seemed the best way of representing yeah. the battlefield rather mm. than um being constrained by the table edges but um, yeah. well as, as i said earlier i think if you did do it in a, a, a quote more maximus size approach you'd want a pretty big table it wouldn't be a six by four <laughs> you, you you do need room yeah um yeah i suppose another way to deal with with the shooting would be to effectively make the the, the representation scale for the knights different so you get more knights basically than you more knight bases you know a knight base could if sort of be half the number of men that a Turkmen bases. You could do it by having yeah, more bases. I think if, if I was doing it in Maximus, I think first off I'd probably not have skilled bow. So I'd have the Turkmen's as experienced bow, which yeah. um, means you can have plenty of numbers. I think, yeah. again, I'd probably have them in fours, and I'd probably have a rule that says if they get uh, evade off the table, they can come back on and they aren't counted as lost. Um, so that way the Crusaders don't have the incentive um, to uh, um, just drive them off, off the table um, because the table edge is almost inevitably going to be very much closer. Yes. Um, so I think I'd probably do, do it that way. Um, 
and then you probably get fairly similar effects. Um, yeah, but it'd be it's... interesting if somebody's got the armies to try that out and give it a go. Uh, Funnily enough, I do have a First Crusader army. I've got quite a few Turkmen. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we should try uh, it. Sometime. That sounds well, like I, a, it, a challenge. <laughs> it is, yeah. I think what was really interesting for me out of this, though, is is that, you know, I said, I, I'd, I'd sit down and go, we're going to refight a, quote, big battle. Um, but in some ways, pack doing it with small units of Pacto is... It, it, is potentially more elegant actually <laughs> I, it is counterintuitive but i actually think um refighting battles in many ways works better with pacto because you it gives allows you to cover the broad sweep without having to focus on the minutiae i yeah. don't think that's true of all ancient battles by any means but i think it it is often the case um probably the same way that D dba was often better at fighting big battles than uh, dbm for those of you who remember those wrg yeah, that, days that was very true um yeah so yeah so that's really interesting i think especially with the 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 the, the changes that have gone into the the new version of pacto with the cab tests especially um it it, it is from far more suitable for that because i think the original version of pacto things could just blow up too quickly and it wouldn't have been so suitable uh, without putting your own changes in but the, the 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 latest version works out the box as it were or from the pdf i'll get the adverts in now pacto pdf is already available from the the link is on the meg mortimer glorium website and the print-on-demand version should be out very shortly indeed now. It's just Excellent. going through its final checks, I believe. Okay, so as... Oh, sorry, Matt, after you. I, I, I was just going to say the, the print-on-demand is actually on my to-do list for Pacto. I love the digital version for Maximus, but I think for some reason I want Pacto to be printed. I don't know why, but that's, so that will be my next okay, purchase. Okay, we, we, we... <laughs> we'll just file that under it's a math thing along with yeah, 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 yeah. most just of like your reading a wood with my cavalry ca cavalry ambushing in woods and <laughs> and or indeed fighting by indeed choice fighting in woods, in woods. And, and, and other things that, <laughs> that just live in, in in map world so yeah no yeah no so yes yeah, so in, in fact <laughs> I encourage the listeners who are interested in the uh, Pacto print on demand so when they're listening to this uh, go and check now because the, there will be a delay between us recording this and it going out so you never know <laughs> it might actually be available but that's really good news Richard so thank you for that update um I think we've covered, covered quite a lot there um and and covered covered the certainly I think the it's ticked off all the the key points of this particular battle well, I'd be very interested if anybody listening to this podcast is inspired and does go ahead and tries to refight this. Um, let us know how you get on. In, in, yes. Indeed, uh, absolutely. Because um, uh, as sort of might segue into a, a little thing, we can, since we we have some time to, to to carry on and hopefully entertain the listener with some other stuff, it segues nicely into something. Because I, I generally think that. Meg works really, really well for 
the Crusades period um, and, and handles the difference between the, the so in broad terms, the Muslims and the Crusader armies very nicely and the, the different types of troops and their interactions. So, yeah, ho hopefully it was inspired this. You know, it's um, hmm. maybe, maybe Matt, maybe well, perhaps you should, perhaps we should try it at some time. Yes, it sounds like a plan. I'm just trying to work out where, when and where. Yeah, for, we, we'll, we'll, we will have to um, sit down and discuss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 like these things. A bit a bit of plan, forward planning and a bit of thinking about it. It would be, it would be rather good. But certainly, if if any of our listeners do, please, you know, tell us how it goes. Put it up on, you know, on on the forum or the or the Facebook page um, to to show people, you know, how how it went really, and and explain what you did, which may be the things we've just the ideas we've had this evening, or you might have. A brilliant idea of your own that that will blow us all away. But yeah, do tell us. So great! I think you know that I've 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 thoroughly enjoyed that. That's been really interesting. A number of points thinking. I say you know the uh, the whole idea of starting from Pacto had never crossed my mind. Hadn't you me know. either. And I think it's a it's, a, it's another genius suggestion from Richard. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> 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 We're complimenting him too much at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no, that's, that's his quota for the night. Yes. So, actually, actually, we can, we can move on to something where, where perhaps we can, we can ask him what went wrong because, um, you know, saying that uh, Meg works really well for Crusades. Um, last weekend, from when we we're recording this, um, there was the Outremer and Reconquista um, competition that was held at Battlefield Hobbies. Um, which was a selection of obviously Crusader and opponent armies from from, from Spain through to Outremer, um, from round about the First Crusade to the fall of Acre in 1291, um, and we had 16 players. And actually, I am going to have to start by thanking Richard, massaging Richard's ego again, because uh, Richard very kindly um, said he he would attend. If there was, we had an odd number to keep numbers equal because odd numbers and buys are just just a real pain. Um, you know, people paying to go to competitions, looking forward to it, and not getting the full quota of games is highly undesirable. So Richard stepped up. We had we had fifteen, and Richard made it sixteen for for four games of crusades themed loveliness at Battlefield Hobbies. Um, and obviously, thank you to Battlefield Hobbies for for that. And we uh, we were how lucky we had um, Tommy Warden, his grandfather Tom Warden over from Ireland, which was great. Um, great to see them. Um, you know, Tommy's a Tommy's a big fan of um, Meg, um, and has been over a couple of times now. So, and and is running his own competi Meg competition in Ireland um, at the end of this month which we'll mention later as well. So uh, good luck to him on that. But I'll just say I loved it because I, I, I like the period. I like the armies. Um, and I did quite well. I didn't win it before anybody thinks that. We congratulate Lee Sanders for winning the competition. Um, but I just said uh, Richard obviously was there as well, as I've just said. Uh, Matt unfortunately couldn't make it but might want to make some comments about the army's use because the lists are published up on the blog but i just want to say yeah richard how how was it for you because you used north african dynasties yeah um i 
I went into the competition with an army that I was more experimenting with rather than expecting it to do much. Um, uh, so um, I, I went for a pretty simple North African dynasty's army, seven units of spear, uh, three units of Arab cavalry, that's the protected long spear type, and one unit of Bedouins, flexible long spear, unprotected type. Um, and had um, three absolutely cracking games, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Steve Bradley um, uh, played first off with his later Crusader. I then played, um, I, I played Robert Brand, and I've completely forgotten. Him. Oh, Steve Stead, who was using Almer Avid. Um, the fourth game against Phil Powell, uh, nothing against Phil, who's an excellent opponent, really good, great guy. Um, it's just his Norman Sicilian Knights. Um, I think they charged and they didn't even notice I was there. Um, <laughs> I, um, I felt like a rather inadequate speed bump. Um, I just could not hit with my white dice and he just couldn't miss. Um, so um yes that was one of those uh games i really um i, I don't think i i did much wrong at deployment during the game i had, could have played it better but i had some horrible card hands at exactly the wrong moment um you can when you keep back two red cards you hope you don't draw two blacks and you then draw two blacks, and that meant I couldn't manoeuvre, so I got hit in the flank, and that, that that probably was the final straw that broke that um, particular pattern. Anyway, it happens. We can go back to Anna Kamnena on this one, can't we, and her quote about the Frankish charge going through the walls of Babylon. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it certainly went through my spearmen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> despite the fact I was cancelling their shatters and all the rest of it anyway um, never mind but yeah overall I came 10th with um, uh, which to be honest I wasn't uh, unhappy with I just, um, uh, enjoyed the games I um, travelling up from Guildford to Devontree both on Saturday and Sunday is quite tiring. Um, three of the four journeys actually were very straightforward, no problem. Coming back on Sunday evening was an absolute nightmare getting around the M25, but uh, uh, ho hum, it happens. It's, yeah, the, the M25, as we know, its reputation, it can be like that. I, I think I, I was going the opposite direction round it to you, and I, I was luckier. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I you know, I, I, I took a Syrian state's army, Zengid. Um, although I don't think I actually used any of the the options that were specifically Zengid um, <laughs> in in the end. Um, it's, it's it's sort of a, obviously it's Muslim army. It's it's got a, some shooting. I've got a couple of units of Mamluks, some Turkmen, um, including a two-unit Turkmen ally gave me a couple of units of skilled shooters um, and I had an Armenian ally which gave me two 
punchy cavalry units and Armenian nobles and some Frankish knights, um, as well as a, a fairly useful little unit of um, infantry skirmishers. So, uh, you know, I thought this was, it's a, an interesting, it turned out to be an interestingly quite balanced army, actually. Um, it's got some good fighting stuff. It's got, let's say, a couple of units of skilled shooters, which allow you to concentrate, pour in some really effective shooting at, at a given point. Um, and with the Franks and add a unit of Syrian cavalry, the long spear cavalry, similar to the ones Richard had in his army, and the Mamluks give you a sort of solidity and good fighting force. It turned out to be uh, nice, nicely balanced in my view. Um, and I think the, the performance showed it. I, I, I won three games out of four. I was beaten on Saturday morning by our winner, our eventual winner, Lee Sanders, in a, a, a cracker of a game where I, I got to a flying start and had broken three of his units before he'd pretty much damaged any of mine. And then he, he, he fought back from behind and, and broke six of my units um, with, before I got um, the five units of his I needed. So that was a, a cracking game. And, and Lee thoroughly deserved to win the competition using early Crown of Aragon, um, which is a, a slightly unusual choice in this, um, obviously from the Reconquista area. But you know, as I, said, I just, I just, I just find this Meg just, just seemed to really work for this. You, that difference between the the hard charging cavalry of the knights and the 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 shooting of things like Turkmen or the Mamluks, you know, the Mamluks being reasonable all-round troops but do need to wear down knights before they want to fight them for me it, it just works so so yeah, i i think everybody enjoyed it um yeah so i just wonder you know, say matt wasn't there but i know he's had a look at the lists that are up on the blog and just wondered if he'd got any any thoughts or any highs and lows um and I'm sure he's going to mention Nigel Emson's Bedouin army. Because <laughs> if he doesn't, I will. <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth with that one. Um, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that, that's a list that even by my standards is quite, um, um, go with insane? Oh, unhinged. Unhinged. Unhinged is a good choice. Yeah, I like that. That, that implies a certain uh, level of cunning as well as... Um, hmm. Yeah, uh, it's um, uh, God, I can't find the list. Oh yes, yes, it was thirteen tugs, of which I think only one was armoured, and the rest were formed flexible, average, unprotected long spears, Ca yeah. or cavalry. It it just he, he had the list maximum of the flexible Bedouin cavalry. All it, it... yeah, sorry, <laughs> uh, I was going to say yeah. legendary professional <laughs> general as well. Yeah, PBS of eleven and a scouting of nine. I have never seen scouting and PBS that high. Um, I, I, I meant since Richard nerfed his own uh, Breton army. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I did mean to um, drop him a message and find out how many times he actually got out scouted in the competition. <laughs> you know, because that, that's just tempting with gods. So yes, that that was wow. And um, yeah, there's not much more you can say to that. It's a I oddly think it's probably done better in an open than in a Crusader theme, quite frankly. Too oh, really? Crossbowmen around. Yeah, well, there's too many crossbowmen around yeah. in a Crusader yeah. theme just to make it really painful. Uh, and on that subject, later Crusaders, it, 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 it is a synergy of a list that is very hard not to like. 
the combinations in the later Crusaders that you can have, it's very hard to design a very bad version of that list. <laughs> Although I think I managed it once, but anyway. Um, <laughs> There's a challenge out there for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Come up um, with a terrible later Crusader list. It, it, they have that combination of hard-hitting knights and very protected crossbowmen. And it makes it a very hard army to unpick. Now, you see, I'm not actually that keen on those mixed crossbow units. I've run over too many of them. Yeah, interesting. No, I, I, they, they do me every time. Every yeah, single I, time. I, I, I would personally take separate spearmen and crossbowmen units. Well, that's because you come from a horse archer tradition. Your mind's been warped. <laughs> it's good to prove there isn't a absolute right answer that everybody's going to agree on oh, absolutely so yes so there were quite a few later crusaders i noticed but there was also a lot of um idiosyncratic lists maybe ones that i wouldn't have expected to see there the crown of aragon was a surprise to me but i can see the logic the the the, the algum of Al- almogavars actually make quite a good anti-crossbow unit assuming is, you can is, get through the shooting as you go in but is that, is, is that another spanish word you're going to struggle with apparently spanish as a language is something that i just should not go near at any point <laughs> for fear of starting a diplomatic incident um, not, not that i'm sure what the correct pronunciation is so i'm going to keep definitely don't go with whatever i say assume whatever i say is wrong and <laughs> <laughs> move on but um but yeah so i was really interested in that list. so yeah i i, I desperately Sorry, I missed it because you know I do like yeah. a Crusader punch up. I think having having played Lee with that arm, it's an army to get. It's one for the better player who can coordinate disparate parts. Having been taken apart quite com- comprehensively by Lee twice, using two armies that I was actually quite used to using. Um, I, I yeah I. I I, I, he very much falls into the camp that he designs a good list and knows how to use it. Yeah, frankly. Although, although I believe this one was designed by Hammy, who'd no. used it at a previous competition and Lee nicked it because he liked the look of it. <laughs> I think it was used at camp. I think Hammy used it. It was used at campaign. Hammy used it campaign. Oh. Well, kudos for Lee for recognizing it and then brutalizing and four people with it. So, yeah, including me. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, yeah. he, he, <laughs> he got the full yeah, 60. He got the full 60, didn't he? He got the full 60, but he beat four, people, four of us on the bounce. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was an absolute pleasure of a game to, to play against him. So yeah. that, that makes it worse when you're beaten by a person who's so nice. Can't stand yeah, he's, that, he's, he's, he's a good player, he's a nice bloke. I thought, can we ban him? <laughs> 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 you know, if he, if he was a grumpy so and so across the table, you know that would be a saving Absolutely. grace. But no, no, joking aside, no, it was a, it was a, we had an absolute great game. So, I, I just got one, one thought of mine on all those Crusaders. I don't think it, I think there was in the later Crusaders because there was also a First Crusade and uh, Philip Powell's Sicilian Norman. But the later Crusaders, most of them had the um Iobid Syrian states ally um the one that didn't was Tommy Warden's one which was just a brutal frontal attack with a unit of fanatic military orders thrown in and led by a legendary general I don't think Steve Bradley's had an ally either 
Oh right, I apologise, Steve Bradley. I, I just remember Tommy's did. I think I think yeah, I think Steve's didn't, but Tommy's was just more brutal. Yeah. <laughs> Tommy has yes. form for brutal armies. He's he's done that Roman Legion one, which is you know, Caesar. Yes, he did. Yeah, yes, so, he did. Yeah, I think it, I think he's found his fighting style, hasn't he? And that's his sort of army because he 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 did well with it. Yeah, oh, I'm not surprised if it catches you on the hop, you can't, yeah, stop it. It's a yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. Another army I like to look at was Keith Keith Spedding's Armenian, Armenian. Kingdom mm. with a uh, Ilkhanid ally. Yes, I saw that. That was that, that took my fancy as well. Yeah. That, that went. I was the, uh... surprised he he didn't do better with it. Um, I, am I, I am as well. I am as well. I think he just. I have a theory. Yep. Keith was forced to throw dice. <laughs> there is a certain amount of that. <laughs> yeah, he, he can have it, the most appalling luck with dice. I, genuinely I know in his last game, it. his last game, he was brutalised by Tommy's army on, on that base. I think Tommy just threw it straight at him, rolled dice, and came out the yeah. other side. That's that's a problem if you've got a um, knight versus knight contest. Uh, that it can become very much. Uh, who gets the initial good dice rolls? Yeah. Um, well, but, uh, I think on that one, Tommy story. would have been playing to his strength because yeah. the, the Armenian Kingdom one, because it's got the ally as well, needs to sort of soften up a little bit because it, it, its punch isn't quite as heavy as a, as a full fat crusader. And yeah. presumably that just didn't happen, despite the fact he's got a good chunk of skilled shooters from the Armenians. Sorry, the Ilkhanids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that. that Possibly, um, yeah, and uh, that possibly was where it, it led itself down. But it's certainly an army I, I quite fancy trying out. I must confess. Yeah, because I mean, I've as Matt knows, because we we played in the first game Ice and Fire. I've used an Ilkhanid with Armenian ally, which actually is why the Armenian ally went into my Zengid list because I just copied it straight out of the. <laughs> <laughs> the Ilkhanid list and bolted it in, <laughs> and went, "Oh, that's quite good." <laughs> so, so yeah. So, anyway, Matt, were there any other armies? So, we I sort of overtaken, taken that because we're asking you which one's caught your eye. Pretty much the same. The, the Armenian one of Keith's was one that, that I was particularly interested in. Um, I, I was sorry to see the First Crusader didn't do better. I have a very big soft spot for that army, but, um, <laughs> uh, although the. Uh, the early Outremere list does a better version of it, I think. Oh, right. to, well, it allows you to take a Syrian ally, which gives you more scouting and gives you a bit oh, of right. shooty yeah. punch. So, yeah. um, but by the way, um, but no, mostly the Armenian and obviously um, Lee's um, early Crown of Aragon were my two picks out of that. So, yeah, no, I, I thought it was, it, was a, it was a nice mix. Um, I suppose one could say, um, if I, was it five or so later crusades? That's the other thing. Keith, with his his, his Armenian kingdom, played four later crusaders. All his games were against later crusaders. I, I think that probably contributed to his lack of success because his knights just couldn't stand up against those fully armoured. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I did offer him a fifth round to play the, the one he didn't play. <laughs> <laughs> But he declined that. But yeah, oh. that, that was just, just one of those weird draw things. He's, oh, look. <laughs> so, 
it's uh, yeah no I thought I thought it was it was it, was, it had it had some nice variety in there with with a good core of crusaders yeah no I think I think it was it was good it was a good one I, I do like to see a crusader competition in the calendar oh totally absolutely so though I think you should expand it to include the Ottomans and Eastern Europe because technically that was also a crusade the Pope even declared it as one so um, <laughs> well yeah, any so excuse. And 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 the Second Crusade included the Baltics, I believe. Well, well yeah, you could even have an argument that the peoples in the First Crusade started in Germany because they sort yeah. of butchered their way all the way through the Baltics down to Constantinople. So <laughs> you, you know, you you could. I think I think because I I, I, I I knocked up this theme. I think I excluded the other ones because a Crusade theme last year had them in, and I just thought, ah. no, well, you don't, you don't just copy every competition year after year put put a bit of a bit of variety and you could maybe do it late sorry richard yeah add a bit of variety i think yeah yeah what was keeping a good core of it of a popular period you you can play you can play around with it a bit yeah you could yeah i think one with one with um ottoman sort of a a, maybe a a sort of post hattian onwards and and run through to because there were still crusades going on into the 15th century and probably later as well. It was quite a popular pastime. It certainly didn't yeah. get knocked on the head quick. No, so there's you can do lots of things. I think it's just a matter of, you know, the, the, mixing things up a bit, but avoiding having all your competitions as completely off the wall. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Want some some sort of a good call. So anyway, okay. The- Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was, I was, no, I was going to say, what's the next competition on the uh, calendar? I have lost track. Well, the the next one is at the end of this month. The last weekend of this month um, is our 7,000 point, 28 mil, 25, 28 mil Magna competition, again at Battlefield Hobbies. Um, as I've, I've said a few times, and uh, once again, apologise to Tommy, uh, it's also the same weekend that his competition is running in Ireland. And I know... Um, I'm pretty sure a couple of people are going across for that. Um, so if you want to go to Ireland and play 15 mil Maximus, there's, a, there's I'm sure there's space there for you. And um, um, I'm happy to take late, late entries for the 28 mil Magna at the end of this month. Um, I'm going to be there. Richard, you're going to be there. Um, Matt, will. again, I think it's one year. doesn't fit in your calendar, does it? No, unfortunately, I'm having a nightmare of a year when it comes to dates and yeah. conflicts. So anyway, yeah, so that's a, I say, 7,000 points Magna open competition. So if you've got some big toys you want to use, feel free to enter. Come on down and uh, join in the fun. Um, after that, in mid-July, there's Attack in Devisors, which is a classical Greek and Persian theme. Um, details of the actual allowed armies are on the forum or the divisor's site where you buy tickets from. Um, I, at the point we're recording this, I understand there are still a few tickets left, but it's uh, so far proved quite popular. And I think I think I saw a post saying they'd released a few more. Oh, excellent! Oh, that, that, that's good news. From Aid on that one. Oh, right, so, excellent. Um, I, I, I think all three of us are going to that. Yes, I, I, I dithered. I dithered about going. I, was, I wasn't entirely sure because uh, I, I, I don't have a vast amount of armies to choose. Well, I have two. 
<laughs> to choose from from that. And it, 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 Classical Eight, my favourite period, but um, yeah, I wasn't going to do anything else in July. So, and I also found a a, chi a cheap hotel room because <laughs> it, it has to be said, mid July in that part of the world, hotels aren't necessarily. Yeah. But I, I found one for under fifty quid. Um, so within reasonable distance of divisors, so that's good. So yeah, so if, if you any again, anybody welcome to that one? And after that, it's then on to mid August and Britcon. Oh, before that, oh, oh, I've missed oh, something out, Richard. Before that is Historicon in oh. uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Of course, which, uh, for if we have any American listeners. Um, please, if you're going to Historicon, um, do come and join us. We're running a Pacto uh, introduction event on the Wednesday. Uh, we have a Magna competition on the Thursday, and we have a Maximus competition on the Friday and Saturday. So uh, looking forward to that um, and hopefully um, creating a bit more interest in the United States. Yeah, I think in, in in a different year I would have been going with you, but that sort of foreign trip isn't within my financial remit this year, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, and apologies for forgetting that. I, yeah, I think because I'm not travelling, getting very parochial, I'm only thinking <laughs> British to well, English tournaments, you know, and <laughs> hence having the amazing to arrange the clash with Tommy's one. So, yeah, so Historicon, because uh, that's in July, isn't it, that? It is. It's the um, I think it's the nineteenth to the twenty fourth, third, fourth, something like that. That's right. It would have been the week after the UK devices. The week after devices, yeah. yes. So, so I've got the delight of competition ending on Sunday, and then Monday flying off to Washington. <laughs> well, that's one way to recover. It was. Fortunately, it's, it's, it's not a six a.m. start. <laughs> that's so, yeah. Such is the life of a of a Meg superstar, you see. <laughs> it is, yeah. So anyway, so after after the July ones, mid mid August in the UK in Nottingham for Britcon, um, which I am list checker for. So you know, get those lists in, check them early. <laughs> we have to decide what to take. It's an open competition. I can never decide what to take for an open yeah, competition. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so the, yeah, that's five games over three days in the centre of Nottingham, at Nottingham Trent Uni. Um, tickets available from the BHGS, obviously link on the forum as usual. Um, basically, there are no limits on the number of entries for that one. Um, if you want to come and join us, buy a ticket, sort, sort out some accommodation and uh, come and play five games. And there's a really quite reasonable pub just across the road and uh, <laughs> from the venue, which Excellent. we sort of adopted yeah. last year, didn't we, Richard? <laughs> Indeed. Um, and and we'll no doubt do so again this year. Indeed. And and uh, 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 an OK Indian within walking distance. Yeah. Um, if that sort of thing rings your bell. And then used to be um, a... if... Sorry. Sorry, go on, Richard. No, no, I was no, going to say, and because it's relevant to our topic today, I want to mention that in early September, 
there is a Pacto event at Colours on the one day of Colours. So uh, basically allowing people to turn up. Uh, if you've got an army, great. If you don't, you can borrow one. Um, and you never know, we might even try a refight of Doria Lane. <laughs> oh, that could be an interesting idea. Yes, what, what, what date's that one? That is uh, something like 9th of September, but don't okay. um, look at the forum. But, um, of course, I keep saying look at the forum. It's for colours. If you enter the Pacto event, you'll get free entry to the show as well. Which is at Newbury Racecourse still? Newbury Racecourse, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah. it's a really good show as well. So. Yeah, it's a long time since I've been there. That's, that's, that's pretty much my birthday as well. So that gives me a feeble excuse to buy myself a present if I go. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever needed an excuse? No. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. So, OK. So that's uh, some upcoming events. Um, obviously, if, if, if people have other events or please or other things they think people should know, pop it up on forum, the Facebook page or whatever, so that people get to know about these things. Um, is there any other business, guys? Anything else we think the, the listeners might be interested or should know about? Um, I'm going to put this out here. Um... I am in the process of testing uh, ACW, American Civil War rules, using the CCC system, i.e. the cards and the dice. And if anybody wishes to be involved in playtesting, uh, please contact me via the uh, Make Forum or other, other channels are available. Um, <laughs> and I'd be welcome to hear from you. Great stuff. That sounds, that's, so oh, that sounds interesting, although it's, it's personally, I find okay, it's way yeah. too modern for me. <laughs> uh, after about the end of the 17th century, I just lump into modern. <laughs> yes, it's got it's got um, gun things. Yeah, well, I go uh, with some guns, but the only ones that go bang, create a lot of smoke and you probably miss with. <laughs> I think that that's true of American Civil War <laughs> guns, actually. <laughs> no way. I think there was famously they had they had a regiment uh, that they lined up a hundred yards from a barn um, and shot at the barn, and only four out of a hundred people actually managed to hit the barn. So not is, even is the that, barn door. This was the whole. No, barn. this was the whole barn. <laughs> is that genuinely where the phrase "couldn't hit the side of a barn" comes from? I don't know, but. Um, it sort of it sort of implies that uh, um, well they didn't waste ammunition on training people how to shoot. Um, whether that was a effective <laughs> saving, <laughs> I don't know. There you go. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the the serious message from that is if you have an interest in the American Civil War and would like to help Richard using the, 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 the CCC mechanisms, the dice and the cards, um, develop a set of rules for that. Get in touch with him and, and, and maybe your, your units will be able to hit the side of a barn <laughs> unless you roll lots of blanks, <laughs> in which case you can assume they haven't. Indeed. Yeah. Matt, anything? 
nope, I think we've covered it. Uh, my, my plea for lists from uh, BritCon is out there. So, um, yeah, yeah. Good, good luck for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm fully um, expecting whatever the deadline is two weeks beforehand. I'm just going to get them all. Um, I, I, I will I, say in I, advance that if 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 I do end up going because it's in 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 um, flux at the moment, I have already sent my list to Nick. So Nick's already got it. So whatever comes in. Indeed, indeed he has. But but I, I suspect mine will be one of those roundabout the list deadline date, Matt. <laughs> I'll guarantee mine won't be before Historicon. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think the list deadline is about two weeks before, so it'll probably be round about the end of Historicon. <laughs> the end at the end of July. So we should be good at. Okay. I think at that point we'll wrap up. Again, hopefully the Dorilaeum discussion and ideas have been of interest to people out there get people thinking about one that specific battle and and just how you go about um d creating a refight and some of the 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 challenges and ideas that, that that can throw up um and so yeah i think that that's it so i can just say once again thank you to richard and matt as ever for their participation and putting up with my waffle thanks to you guys out there for listening to this feedback always welcome ideas always welcome and you know, I think especially on the Doraleum thing, any points you think we might have missed, um, any alternative ideas you have, and especially, as Richard said, if you do a refight, tell us how it goes. And do check out um, Nick's uh, blog for the maps and army lists for refighting Doraleum. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>